diamonds have captivated the world for hundreds of years, fueled conflicts, marketing campaigns, inspired robberies and appeals not to be fooled by the rocks that Jenny's got. So what are they and why do we love them? Let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. I'm Jamie O'Hara, filling in for Sean Defoe. Diamonds are formed when carbon atoms are exposed to high pressure and temperature deep below the Earth's surface, before eventually getting close enough for us to mine them. ABC News Australia reported in November 2015 that billionaire Joseph Lau went on a bit of a spending spree and bought a 16-carat diamond for over $28 million. The very next day, he bought a 12-carat diamond called Blue Moon for over $48 million. It's said he bought them both for his seven-year-old daughter Josephine and renamed them after her. One of the most common ways we see diamonds in the here and now is through engagement rings. Martin Cummins from Bespoke Diamonds in Dublin says diamonds were first added to engagement rings around 100 years ago. The concept of an engagement ring has always existed if you date it right back to the Egyptians. It was more started off as a ring, plain ring. And I suppose the circle or the roundness of a ring represented the continuity of a person's relationship, no start, no finish. And that it being in a precious metal like gold, for example, um, people then added different stones, different gemstones. So diamonds were an option, but so too were many other stones like a sapphire, emeralds, etc. And then in the 1930s, uh, with the beers, as everyone knows, uh, diamonds became more of a thing and there's a big push on it from a marketing perspective to have diamonds being in an engagement ring and the whole slogan that everyone's familiar with being that diamond is a girl's best friend. But before then, eh, they were there, but not massively there. But um, certainly from the 1930s onwards, they uh, exploded as an option for people. Martin mentioned De Beers and it's worth talking about them for a moment. Demand is often driven by successful marketing campaigns and De Beers really hit the mark with the slogan A Diamond is Forever in 1947. It was two years after the end of one of the worst wars in human history and it's not hard to see how people might have leaned into that after years of uncertainty. This ad from them is from 1997. The diamond engagement ring. How else could two months' salary last forever? A diamond is forever. De Beers. Yeah, it really was that straight out. Two months' wages, please. Back to Martin Cummins from Bespoke Diamonds, who says people now don't necessarily stick to the old rules anymore. It's good that it has gone out the window. I think it's always good to look at a ring from a couple of different perspectives. One being, it's only a ring. So there's no point sort of feeling obliged by society to spend more than you're willing or you're able or you're comfortable spending. With the adoption of labs as well, it allows you to get a really impressive ring for, you know, still big money, but not sort of massive, ridiculous money. Because we'd see a lot of guys, for example, coming in on their own, planning on proposing to their partners at a later date. What we always say to them is don't make the budget become a target. If you have, say, five grand or ten grand budget, if you find something for two, three thousand euros, cool. I wanted some insights on the marketing of diamonds as something rare, desirable and valuable. And I spoke to John Fahey, who is a professor of marketing at the University of Limerick. The history of marketing in the 20th century is ever written. I think the, one of the chapters in there will have to be the marketing of diamonds because it probably is a masterclass in how to create a successful marketing campaign on a whole bunch of dimensions. But um, the main thing I think that they did there was to take a very commonplace product and turn it into something 
premium and unique and rare and create a really compelling reason why one should buy it. So that was that was a pretty brilliant piece of, of marketing by De Beers primarily and, and the ad agency that they used to come up with all the famous slogans that we're all familiar with. John says diamonds have achieved the rare feat of becoming part of our culture. Great brands do embed themselves in culture. That's key. And it's not just, I mean, so so the diamonds are forever slogan really shows how De Beers and diamonds tried to co-opt the emotion of love, um, which is a really, really powerful emotion. So they attach the product to that emotion. And, and that emotion is global and it's uh, cross-cultural, it's enduring, it's enduring over time, over several hundred years. You know, it's really interesting. I mean, like, you know, pre-World War II, about 20% of the world's engagement rings were diamond rings. By the 90s, that was 80%. So, so their marketing was incredibly successful and... You know, it's funny, when you talk about tipping into popular culture, you know, we talk an awful lot in marketing now about influencer marketing like it's some kind of new thing. But um, when Marilyn Monroe was wearing diamonds, uh, you know, we could arguably say she was the first influencer, right? So, so a key to success always is if you can connect your product to your brand from a, from a consumer marketing point of view, if you can connect your, your product or your brand with with some aspect of culture or what, what I would call maybe even more basically than that. And if you, if you can attach it to some key emotional value. Let's talk about lab-grown diamonds. The growth over the last two, three years is massive. Um, they represent probably 70 to 80% of what we're currently selling uh, from Engage Rings. So go back, whatever, three, four, five years before they existed, we would have been selling natural diamonds, um, a lot of natural diamonds and Engage Rings on a, on a daily, weekly basis. It's not only now for Engage Rings, people are looking at them for birthday presents, uh, putting them into stud earrings, putting them into bracelets. From an ethical perspective, there's no risk of association with conflict diamonds. So diamonds, by and large, earth's grown diamonds, like 40 odd percent of the world's diamonds come from Russia. From a sustainability perspective, we're not digging up a couple of hundred million tons of earth trying to find them. And then from a budget side of things, depending on the size of diamond, you're looking at ballpark sort of 40 to 70, 80 percent less expensive. So the bigger you go, the bigger the savings you get. And the good news is that they're totally indistinguishable to natural diamonds, unless you've got a carbon dating machine handy. So whether you want one that was grown in the ground or a lab or thrown from the back of a boat by a lady who should have known better, just can't get over it. That's diamonds. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. John Kyo is the series editor and Lachlan Hart is on sound.